Father, as we open your word together, encourage our hearts, enlighten us, Lord, meet us where we are. Everybody here has things going on in their lives, no matter how old, how young. Lord, meet us at that place and teach us. Help us to be more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> so there are some kind of universal things that we all go through. I'm sure these are some things everybody has experienced. Have you ever come to a door and pushed only to read the sign next to it that said pull? Had that happened before? You ever walked into a room and automatically forgot what it was you were trying to do when you got into that room? Ever been at any kind of store and there were multiple options to get in line and you tried to find the shortest and no matter what line you chose, it was not the shortest line? Universal experiences. Have you ever gotten into bed and got all tucked in and then realized you forgot to turn the light off? Or maybe need to pee. Um, universal experiences. I'll give you another one that I am sure is true today of everybody here. You're going through some kind of struggle. There's some hardship. There's some amount of pain, questioning, challenges, struggle in your life right now. And it might be something quite large, and it might not be, but it's still there. You still have something you are trying to work through. Well, as we're in this series about spirit-filled life, about chapters 6 and 7 of Romans were about the flesh and death, and then chapter 8, that shift into there's no condemnation. When you're living by the Spirit, what does that life look like? And Joe spent the last two weeks introducing and talking about those ideas. And as Paul comes to this point in chapter 8 of Romans, he's going to be very upfront. In the spirit-filled life, there is still hardship, struggle, pain, suffering, all of those things. What do we do about it? What does it look like to live spirit-filled through those things? Well, his answer is a single word. Hope. That a spirit-filled believer goes through their suffering, their hardships, their whatever it is, with hope. Now, before we dive into the text and we see what Paul says about it, I want to make sure we understand something about hope. Um, it is a very powerful thing. Um, research done on hope shows its impact on mental and physical well-being, on stress, anxiety, even on productivity at work. There's a group in 2013 that studied 45 different studies to pull stuff together on employment, over 11,000 employees, and they found that there was a 14% increase in productivity in employees who lived with hope. It impacts so much. Now, the hope we're talking about is not this, wishful thinking. 
All right, let me show you what wishful thinking looks like. Yesterday at 10.30 a.m., my four-year-old told me what was going to happen. He was going to get his bottle. He was going to go nine-nights in his brother's bunk bed at that point in time, 10.30 a.m. Now, my four-year-old has a little bit of a delusion of divinity. Um, he thinks whatever he speaks is going to happen, just like Genesis 1. And he spent, and I'm not kidding you, eight hours telling me that he was going to get his baba, he was going to sleep in the talk bunk, and he was going right now. And I kept saying, no, no, no. He got some timeouts. We did all kinds of, He would not give it up. And do you know what happened at the end of the night? He got his baba when he normally does, not at 10.30 a.m., and he slept in his own bed. That is wishful thinking. <laughs> That's not hope. Biblical hope is when you look forward to something with reason to have confidence. Biblical hope is when there's some thing you're latched onto that tells you this is going to happen. Right? At the end of the section, Paul will talk about the fact that hope is something we don't fully have yet. If we did have it already, it wouldn't be hope anymore. But that doesn't mean it's blind or just wishful thinking. Hope is an active participation in a vision that is real, that is going to take place. And it can drive you. That's what Paul is talking about when he says hope. All right? Two things. Turn in your Bible, if you would. The Pew Bibles, this is page 1610. It's Romans chapter 8. We're starting in verse 18, which picks up right where Joe left off last week. Romans 18, uh, Romans 8, verse 18, page 1610. Two things Paul will talk about when it comes to hope. In a spirit-filled life, we go through hardships because we know what is coming. That's where the hope is. That's the first part. Look at verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings, notice he's right up front with it. We have these. They are real. They do not go away because you become a Christian. They are part of life. Our present sufferings. By the way, before I go on, I want you to think real quickly. What are you suffering through right now? What answer don't you have? What thing is blocking something for you? What right now are you struggling that you wish you weren't struggling with? Our present hardships are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Right, that translation, the word in, that preposition, that is not a good way to translate that Greek preposition. Um, many translations don't do that. The reason I say that is because this sounds like the revelation he's talking about is in us. It's not in us. It's to us or for us. What Paul is talking about is something is going to happen outside of us that has such an incredible glory or radiance or beauty or splendor. That that thing makes whatever present suffering I have better, easier. Because I'm looking forward to something that is so incredible out there. It's a comparison. Not a denial of what we're going through. A comparison. So I was just talking to some folks in the parish hall. And we were talking about the weather. Weather right here in Quad Cities. And 
The thing I remember maybe the most when it comes to the weather, when we first moved here, we moved in the middle of May, right at the beginning of summer. Here's what I remember. I remember so many people going, it is so hot. Oh my gosh, it is so hot. And I remember thinking, you are a wuss. (laughs) Go to Texas. I mean, it's 92 right now. It's 110 in Texas at this point. And I just remember thinking, okay, all right, yes, it's warm. I might need to take my jeans off. Um, But this is not hot. Now, is it hot? Yeah, it's hot. Just not in comparison. That's what Paul's doing here. He's not trying to say that what your hardship is doesn't matter. He's just saying, when you think about that hardship, I want you to think about what's to come. Because what is to come is so amazing and beautiful that it will make what you're going through now easier. So what is to come? Verse 19, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. There's something that is going to happen in us, and yet it's The creation is waiting for that. He personifies creation as if it's this living thing that can look at us and go, I cannot wait until God does what he's going to do in you. Why? For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. You need a little background for this. Genesis chapter 1. God is creating And everything he makes, what does he say about it? It is good. And that is is an evaluation not of morality as if the creation of water was somehow good or evil. It is a, you are exactly what I want you to be. You're doing exactly what I want you to do. And at the very end when he steps back and he looks at all of it and he says, that is very good. He's saying all things are working just like they are supposed to work. Everything is in harmony. There is shalom among creation. That's what God intended. Then he goes, now, humans, you take charge of this. And what do we do? We rebel against God. We bring sin into the world, and the whole creation suffers for it. What he'll describe in a moment as bondage to decay. So what is happening right here is creation, that word frustration, it means the inability to do what you're supposed to do. The very thing God created creation for. It has been struggling since our fall to do those things. And just look around. Sickness. All of the climate events that are happening right now. I mean, our world is a mess in creation itself. Not how God wanted it or intended it to be. And it's waiting in eager expectation for what? This right here. In hope, verse 21, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. You see, it isn't just us that God is redeeming. He's also going to remake the heavens and the earth. Creation itself is going to know what it's like to do what it was meant to do. To be the beautiful thing God made it to be. And guess what? We get to see that. We get to be a part of that. Paul says, I think about what God is going to do in heaven and on earth. Think about, all right, so for me, I love going to Colorado. 
I, I'm going to tell you this every summer I'm here. I told you this last summer. I'm going to tell, tell you every summer. We go to Colorado once a year. It is an amazing time. My entire family looks forward to this. We love going to Colorado. Right? And this year, we're actually going to the same cabin we went to last year. I can envision it kind of in my head. And I know when I get there, I'm going to walk out on this patio. I'm going to smell pine trees. I'm going to see these beautiful forests. I'm going to hear these birds. The weather is going to be great. I mean, just, I can, it's, oh, it's amazing. It's beautiful. But to get there, I have to take a stinking long drive. <laughs> and I have to take a stinking long drive with five other people crammed into a minivan. Right? And one of them is a four-year-old who thinks he's God. And he's going to state numerous times how life is from the back seat. And we're not going to be able to stop him. He's going to throw his dog at us numerous times and tell us to pick it up and get mad when we don't. But all of that is absolutely worth it because I know where I'm going. Every time things get tough, I'm going to go, Colorado, trees, birds, beautiful weather. Okay, here we go. Because I know that's coming. That's what Paul's doing here. Except it's all of creation. The most beautiful thing you can imagine, and it's better. The splendor and beauty and glory that is to come. Paul says, keep that in mind, because that's what I remember when things are tough here. But it's not just that. There's one more thing he does. He says, there's also hope in something else. We know, verse 22, he keeps going with creation, but he's going to change what he's doing with it. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Now, it's really easy to miss the point he's making with this illustration. Right? The groaning part isn't the issue. It's the pains of childbirth. Right? And here's why, and I'll show you this in a moment. Right? You might be surprised to know this, but I have never personally experienced the pains of childbirth. I have vicariously experienced them four times as I've watched my poor wife without any form of medication give birth to my children. And that includes from the easiest with Kira to the hardest with Kelton. That is walking up and down hallways trying to get these kids to get out. Um, but those were labor pains. But here's the thing that you know when you're having the labor pains. The child is coming. It's the beginning of it. You know, when the, especially as you get into it, you know when those are happening, what comes is the child. That's what he's talking about here. The labor pains are the first fruits of what God is going to do with creation. It's as if they've started, the labor has started, and so creation can go, yes, I am going to be remade. This is going to happen. That kid is going to be born. And he takes that image and brings it into this next verse. Verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves, and here it is, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Okay, it's not labor pains. It's the Spirit that is the beginning of what God is doing. It's the evidence or the proof that God is doing this thing and he's going to do it. He didn't just give you the Spirit and now he's going to walk away. Who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So throughout Romans, especially 6 and 7, as Paul talks about the flesh, there's this part of us. It's not that physicality is bad. Please don't think that physical existence is somehow evil. 
Right? We are meant to be a physical people. In eternity, you'll be a physical person. Now, your physical body is going to somehow be different. We don't know exactly what the properties are, but you're still going to be physical. He's remaking the earth for a reason. We're not going to sit on clouds with harps as angels. That's not our eternity. However, there is something within sin that still resides in this physicalness that Paul says is going to be fully redeemed when Christ returns. How do we know we are going to be liberated fully? Because we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have the Spirit of God in us. And that is God saying, I haven't left you. I'm not going to leave you. I will finish what I started. You have hope in that. No matter what you're going through, whatever your struggle is. Because here's the other thing I can tell you. I guarantee you every struggle you are going to through right now is in some way related to the fall. Every struggle you have. Because all your relational struggles, all of the insecurities, all of the fear, all of the shame, all of the guilt, none of that is what God intended. That is all part of the fall. When we battle one another in the ways that we do, and we get mean with each other and we hurt each other, that's all part of the fall. Sickness. You have that person that was diagnosed with something, and you don't know if they're going to make it. That's part of the fall. All of it will be liberated. And so Paul says, I have hope. I have hope that this isn't it. I have hope that no matter what I'm going through, it's coming to an end at some point. I have hope because of what God has done in this moment for my future. It reminds me of this story. Sometimes kids can be deceptively wise. Um, Even they may not realize it, but they notice things. They're an intuitiveness sometimes. So here's the story. There was a young kid who was in a bad fire. He was brought to the hospital. They weren't sure he was going to make it or not. He had a very long recovery process. Partway through the recovery process, in order that he wouldn't get way, way behind in school, they sent a teacher to do some work with him. Well, the teacher walks into the room, and she was unprepared for what the kid would look like. And she ended up stumbling through the whole lesson and not doing a good job because he just, that was not what he, she was horrified. Uh, She did her best, and she stumbled through it. And then she left. She comes back the next day, and a nurse stops her before she goes in. And the nurse said, what did you do yesterday? And the poor teacher was like, oh, no. I mean, I, I like, I did a terrible job. And she goes, he has been happier than we've seen him since he's been in here. Since he's been here, he's been down and, and depressed and sad. And like, there's something very different. What did you do? And she goes, I don't know. And so she came in, she began the lesson. And partway through the lesson, at an appropriate time, she stopped. And she said, she said, what happened? Uh, the nurse said, you're different, you're, you're happier. What, what happened? And the little boy said, you're here. And she said, what do you mean? And he said, well, they're not going to send a teacher if I'm not going to live. Our present reality says something about our future. God giving us the spirit tells us he's not done. He's still working, and he's going to complete what he said he's going to complete. And that is what we can hold on to no matter what we are going through. 
we have a hope that creation itself is going to be fully redeemed. And there's this beautiful place we're going to go to. Um, and we have a hope that God has already started something in us and he's not going to stop. He's going to fulfill it. Those are things that he says, hold on to those, whatever you are going through, and let them get you through it in a way that you'll never get through it without that hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and the encouragement we find in it. Lord, I pray that the reality of your promises, of your work in our life, that those things would touch every person right now. That, that we would have a stronger conviction that this isn't it. We have something amazing, glorious to look forward to. And you've started that work already. Help us to always rely on that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.